what is happening, check checkers. So, shame. No, 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 not shame on you. I'm talking more general here. It comes from a lot of places. It lives in us. It comes out in ways we might not understand how it interacts in and with our lives. Now, in the mental health world, we talk about how it can prevent us from talking about our emotions, prevent us from reaching out, getting help, going to therapy. And I'm pretty much known worldwide for being a huge advocate for therapy. And by worldwide, I mean anybody who is listening to the show, you know, around the world. This is a really big thing as a whole, and it goes deeper than we might realize. But this is super present with my LGBT community, holding on to this internalized shame way past coming out of the closet. And we need to talk about all of it. And oh, oh, would you look at that? What are the chances? That is what I did in this week's episode with psychotherapist Robert Sullivan. You know the drill. Let's get checked. Everything changes. Get ready. It's time for the Sheck Check Podcast. Inspiring to normalize the way we talk about the way we think, feel, and behave. With your host, Erez Sheck. Robert Sullivan, what is going on? Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you are you're a psychotherapist, a mental health counselor, therapist from the Big Apple. Yes, sir. And and are you like showing like NYC pride? Always, yes. NYC, best city in the world. And so, like, how long have you been a therapist? I have been a therapist for about two years now, so not long. I'm kind of new to the therapy world. Baby therapist, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what what like drew you to the mental health world and you know studying it and being like part of it? Um, so there's a couple of things that I always kind of think about as drawing me to the field of mental health and being a therapist. Um, first thing is I've always had a fascination with the human mind, the complexity of of just being human in this world and what that means. I've always felt that human beings are inherently good, and for one reason or another, due to uh, different pain that we all experience, we have barriers in the way that we think, the way that we behave in the world, the way that we show up. And I've always wanted to give other people the space to kind of just reflect on their internal world and their internal experiences and discover more about themselves and why they do what they do, why they do what they do, and how they show up in relationships and to other people. And so that's that's one main piece of it, that kind of curiosity piece and that belief in other people. And then from my own personal experiences, I've growing up, I felt always different from the people around me. And I felt misunderstood in a way. And I think it was through, it was only through like my own self-exploration that I was able to become more comfortable in my identity. And, you know, I'm still, it's a work in progress. I'm still kind of learning about myself and growing and doing that every day. So just giving other people the space to do that and to explore their own internal worlds and, and learn more about themselves and, and feel heard and seen in this world is, is the other piece of what drew me to the work. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, I, there was like so many parts that kind of like, I guess, touched me in that was it kind of, I mean, it was the fascination kind of also connecting with your own struggle. And then once you started facing your struggle, you also kind of wanted to take that outward and help others with theirs. Yeah, absolutely. 
which I think that's how everything kind of starts is like self-love and care and love and care to the outside world starts when we like with ourselves and then it goes out. Yeah, we kind of, I I think we have to go through things first on our own to kind of be able to share that with other people. And that's what starts a passion, right? We have to work on things on our own to then feel passionate enough about it to share it with the rest of the world. That's a really good point. Like the way you frame that. Thank you. (laughs) So did you, I mean, did you, I mean, I know that like when, when people are, you know, um, studying mental health and becoming therapists and all that fun stuff, you, you have to go through therapy as well. Yeah. But did you, were you open to therapy for that? Or was that kind of just the, the push? I'll be honest. I, even though I've always thought highly of therapy, I never thought of it as something for me until going through um, my, my clinical program and my internship and it just kind of learning more about it. I think that when I was growing up, therapy was still so stigmatized, although it is still stigmatized today it's getting better, at least we're making progress on that. And I think unless you're exposed to people who are in the profession or who have been through it themselves, it kind of gets this reputation of being something that's reserved for individuals with severe mental illness or um, people who are going through a very specific issue that requires that, which of course, as a therapist, and while I was studying to become a therapist, that idea was completely shifted for me. And I see everyone as being able to benefit from therapy at this point in my career. And I see every person, regardless of what the struggle is, as being able to really get value from self-growth and self-exploration, which I didn't always believe in. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get that. And when you, when you're talking about, you know, you didn't see therapy as for you, right? Because I mean, when we talk about therapy often, um, it often feels like you do have to have a condition or it's targeted to people with a diagnosed condition or an illness or a very specific big issue that is happening in our lives, right? That's like kind of a viewpoint we've we've formed with it. And it kind of goes back to the idea that like those are all kind of judgments based on what we have heard and what we're aware of and what is in our like our current framework and our lens. And so that goes back to me to even the things that you were like that you had mentioned earlier about identity and the way that you looked at yourself and the way that you were looking outside of yourself and how you saw everything, that there's things that happen in our life, even the tiniest things that kind of shift our thinking. Mm-hmm. It's about creating like the space for it. And that's, I mean, that's the way I look at therapy as that kind of space, a safe space. Exactly. Yeah. Although sometimes filled with tears, but you know, <laughs> happy tears of some sort. Therapy is kind of like a, a dance between being comfortable and being uncomfortable. And that kind of speaks to what you're saying in terms of feeling safe. We want it to be a space of safety for our clients and for people to feel comfortable and they're they're most comfortable in that space. But also we want to push them past their their limiting beliefs and push them out of their comfort zone a little bit. Well, I mean, and I'm continually learning how many comfort zones I have and how many many ones I'm trying to get out of. Um, And I'm like, no, I want to be out of there. Um, But no, it, it, I, you know, through the years, I've been in therapy for quite some time and different styles of therapy and really where my focus was kind of lying in for a while was almost limiting as well. And now that I've started to explore like all the other parts of my mental health that are connected with like, you know, how I view myself and how I view the world, Mm -hmm. the lens that I see things through, the lens that I see things through and everything. And so, you know, therapy Mm -hmm. for me is that safe space to 
challenge those beliefs because those beliefs might not be serving me. And they're not connected to, uh, you know, my mental health condition. They're connected to things that have happened in my life and the way that I was brought up and all that stuff. And so it's important to kind of, again, it kind of speaks to how important therapy is for everyone and getting out of that comfort zone. Yeah. You know, nobody, I think I've made this reference before, like, you know, you don't really get any work done at a gym if you're just sitting on the couch looking at the equipment. Yeah. You have to get up and start doing it, but it's, you're going to be sweaty and it's going to be gross. Or you're going to be sore afterwards, right? Exactly. But you, but afterwards when you're sore, you're kind of like, oh, but you know what, this is going to, this is producing some sort of results in me. It's strengthening me. It's, it's bringing things, you know, back together. I don't know why I tend to bring up gym references quite often and I don't go, I don't go to the gym. <laughs> this is your way of going to the gym. Basically, I'm working my mind, right? And it takes care of the rest of my body. As a therapist, like, do you do you focus on anything in specific? Um, do you have like a specialty, I guess. I focus on a few things. Um, I really love working with young adults and college students through some like life transition issues. Um, I also love working with couples and really anyone, individuals, uh, families on relationship and intimacy issues. Um, I think that a lot of our psychological pain is connected to relationships and our ability to connect with others in a healthy way. So I lean towards working through relationship issues with my clients, even if that's not really what they presented with in terms of their concern for therapy or the impetus for, for them coming in, because I think it really has a lot to do with many different issues. So that's definitely a focus of mine. It all, I mean, it, it all interconnects eventually. So working on one thing is going to connect with other things. I think that like, that's a big thing with therapy as well. Like when people go in for big major events and then they like, they're like, oh, but really this is what I need to be working on. And as you go through those process at that process, um, you find how those things are interconnected and how it's helpful to work on those things. Um, absolutely. What you said is spot on. And I think it really Therapy is a space that illuminates the connections from different things in, in a person's life, whether that be what they the issue that they presented with or other things and patterns in their life. And that's that's really what we seek to do as therapists is to illuminate those things or help the client illuminate those things for themselves. I also work with um, LGBTQ population. That's another passion of mine. Right on. I mean, so when you're when so number one, I mean, it's great that you're working with like young adults and college students because I believe they are our future. <laughs> and so to get them in a better place would be better for the rest of the world. So I appreciate you saving the world, essentially. Oh, thank you. How do you like <laughs> when you're talking with people, you know, if if you're dealing with like a person who's single, right, and they're coming in, like, how does how do you kind of I mean, of course, it's going to depend on the client, but um, how do you head them in a direction where like if they are single, right? Um, what do you typically focus on? Um, because you, I mean, I guess it doesn't actually matter if you're single because you have other relationships in your life. Sure. Do you mean in terms of a romantic relationship specifically? Well, like, I mean, if, yeah, I mean, like in a romantic relationship, but I mean, when you talk about relationships and intimacy, that is about the romantic relationship, right? Um, it's any kind of relationship. And so like, how would you, I guess, define the intimacy? Of so intimacy and relationships can be when I work with clients who are single, they can be either on some single clients are looking for that romantic connection and they're looking to enhance intimacy or their willingness or capability to enhance the intimacy in their romantic relationships, despite not being one at the current time. 
but um, in their search for one, in their, in their desire for one. Or intimacy could be about other relationships in a client's life, whether that be friendships, whether that be familial relationships, and, and they're all connected. You know, when we have issues with intimacy, typically it transfers to other relationships in our life beyond just romantic and vice versa. Again, with the interconnectedness of everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So it is, I mean, it is Pride Month. Um, and I mean, you do say that you work with like the LGBTQI community. Yes. What do you, what do you see as like the, like the kind of biggest issues we face in, in the mental health realm of the LGBTQI community? I would say that there are a few big things that I've, I've seen coming up for my LGBTQI clients. Um, one of the biggest ones that I've seen recently in terms of mostly my gay male clients is the idea of internalized shame around their identity and around their sexual preferences or sexual, the way that they identify sexually and otherwise. And I think that the biggest thing that we've been working on or I've been working on with clients is how difficult it is after they've come out. So we all, we all know, or we all see coming out as, as a really big thing for a lot of, for a lot of people who identify as LGBTQI. And I think that we, even while we're in it as members of the community, we think, oh, once we get past that point, everything's going to be fine. And we think, oh, I feel better now. And, and, you know, of course it's different for every person. The experience of coming out is different for every person in the community, every individual, but we tend to think if we've had a positive experience with coming out or if we've had, or if we've come to a good place with it, we think, oh, I'm, 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 I should be okay now. I should be grateful that I had a positive experience and now I'm past that point in my life. But I think we, we miss the mark there because I think A, we're always coming out to somebody, right? Every day. And beyond that, I think even after that, there's, there's, even if we're accepted and even if we have become more accepting of ourselves after that point, before that point can be such a heavy time where there becomes so many internalized, whether it be stereotypes or internalized shame, internalized guilt, or internalized beliefs that there's something inherently wrong with who we are, that despite coming out, we still face different manifestations of that shame in our daily lives after that. There, there's like a bunch of stuff that you just hit on, you know, because I think, you know, regarding the coming out, like we don't, what I don't see being talked about is that like the repercussions basically of le leading up to the coming out, right? Because for me, like I came out when I was, I was 18, I was in college and it was like a relatively easy coming out. I mean, easy, there was no big drama around it essentially. And I see the air. What? I see the air quotes, you know, most people aren't, they're not going to see the air quotes, but you made them. So I think that's important to, uh, <laughs> to point out. Because it, I mean, it is a big moment, but there are, and, it, and it, I'm not, you know, minimizing other people's experiences with it because it could lead to other problems. But I was, I guess I was lucky comparing to what other people have been through. But what I didn't really had, like what I didn't really think about, which you just touched upon, was there's years and it's for me it was like my developmental years where I knew something was different about me and I you know if we look at like you know what gender appropriate things were mm -hmm. then I I wasn't playing sports and I wasn't uh, doing the things that typical boys do and there was a lot of bullying and what we don't look at is like I I just like had learned that 
even bullying can lead to some sort of, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress um, symptom symptomology. But it also it's the beliefs that form about us, and like, and yes, the internalized shame. Um, I actually think I faced more issues. Coming out was definitely a freedom for me. Um, it felt like freedom, but um, it doesn't erase all those other years and those kind of beliefs that I carried through me um, and in me for so long. And so that's it is important that those get addressed because again, we can't wait till things present on a more surface level for us before we can start going inside and looking at those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's it's really brave of you to share your personal journey through all that. And and you know, I just want to clarify by saying, like you said, not everybody everybody's experience is very different. And by no means are we generalizing here in terms of that, because every, you know, for some maybe they grew up in an environment where they never internalize any shame about it. And, and that's amazing. And I think that that's great. And I think for everybody, it looks very different. But just speaking strictly here from my own personal experience and from um, the experience that I've, that I've touched upon with my clients, I see this internalized shame as being something that's really insidious in their lives well after the coming out experience. And, and it kind of creates a sense of confusion for them. Like, well, I've come out, everyone in my family and, and my friends and people around me have accepted me for who I am and I could finally be free in who I am. So why do I still feel this way? And it's often the little things in their lives. Like, for example, um, to give another personal experience, when I was younger and going through the experience of, of feeling shame, one of the ways that it manifested for me is was and still is to some capacity that when I am on a phone call, when I was on a phone call with somebody, I would automatically like deepen my voice in order to to come across more masculine. And, you know, my friends would kind of laugh at me and it was kind of a joke that I would do that when I would order food or I would do something um, that required talking on the phone in front of them. They would kind of laugh and like imitate my my deep phone voice a little bit. And, you know, I didn't realize until later on that that was kind of a manifestation of that shame about coming across in any way feminine or or kind of something or, or behaving in a way that would identify me as as gay. And now as an older adult who's come out and who has, you know, done a lot of self-work on it, I still notice when I answer the phone, my voice is naturally a decibel deeper because I'm still kind of working through that very ingrained pattern of, of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's only funny because I do it too. <laughs> Um, and it like depends on where I am too, because like if I'm in an area that is like conserv more conservative, like if I'm driving around and I'm in an area that might be a little less what I feel would be open to um, to you know gay people, because I think I just people just know when they look at me. <laughs> um, but I do I like and sometimes I'll even go as far as like being like, hey bro, what's up, dude? And like all of a sudden, like I'm like this skater boy type thing, and I'm like, that's not me. That's not me. But um, I'm, it's there are some places that we go that are scary, you know. Um, so we have to protect ourselves in some way. I guess I still think it's pretty obvious. Exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know I I do thank you for sharing. Of course. I do feel like there's also other pro like I notice there's also problems that arise like. In the world around us, like like I said, like I had an easy time with coming out, but it was a lot of fa it's facing a lot of other things afterwards. But it's also um, I started like looking at how supportive people are of me and it. Of, it's not an it, but of me 
as gay, I guess. And so like I found there are, you know, there was things to kind of be addressed, although like people were like, oh yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. It's like, thanks. Thanks for being cool with me loving who I love. Appreciate it. Um, but there, there's still, there still is this like talking down feeling of it that doesn't, I think, doesn't always help getting over that shame. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And there's this feeling like almost like we have to be grateful for people being supportive of us as if it's somehow gratuitous, like as if it's not a standard. Yeah. Like the, I, I'm really super happy with all the progress that we're making, right? As a community mm -hmm. and, and creating more space for these just people being human and loving who they love to exist. But there is a slight resentment when people get so excited and so proud um, of like being just accepting kind people. Absolutely. And I think that that stems beyond just our community in that way. And that's something that I see in so many of my clients for different things in terms of just like cultural beliefs, whether that be about race or it be about sexual identity or it be about just education. I mean, there's so many things that I see in terms of my clients as as limiting for them because of the fact that it's not viewed in the same way as by society as they see themselves. And it's because that becomes part of the struggle as well, because it that goes into visibility that and the visibility is not only like, you know, to say I have been seen, but to actually feel like you are you are seen and you are here and you are legitimate and you matter because it goes far beyond like the words. It has to be the feeling as well in my eyes. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you you also work with, I mean, with the LGBTQI community on embracing their individuality within like the whole realm of intimacy and relationships, right? Absolutely. I think that that's something that's deeply connected. How we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is is inherently connected to how we approach relationships and to the level of intimacy that we're comfortable with. You know, this idea of vulnerability comes up so much in my sessions with clients. And it's such a huge thing. And if we don't feel, if we don't feel validated and we don't feel comfortable with ourselves and we don't feel like we have a loving relationship to ourselves, it is very, very difficult to be vulnerable with another person. It's always difficult, regardless of, of who you are and what you've, what you've been through. But if you have, if you have self stuff that you haven't worked through and you have internalized shame and you have um, limiting beliefs about yourself and what you're worthy of as a human being that is is directly connected with how you how you show up in terms of your relationships and and what level of intimacy you're going to be comfortable with i mean it really it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning almost like it starts within us mm -hmm. and it makes us under it does make us understand everything not everything but <laughs> it gets us to a place of understanding within ourselves and then we can be more present with the other people in our life well yeah, and we can connect more fully with them. There was there was actually a quote that you had put up on your Instagram the other day that I have, <laughs> that I have to bring it up. Uh, it's by it's a quote by Lori Gottlieb. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. And it is therapy in a way is like pornography. Both involve a kind of nudity. Both have the potential to thrill, and both have millions of users, most of whom keep their use private. <laughs> I love it because it's true. And I think we should be less private with this kind of porn. Well, I can't say be less private with pornography. Less private with therapy. <laughs> there's no shame. Well, there's no shame in pornography. I'll just lay that out there. But there is no shame in the, 
in like the therapy game. But I just love that quote. What kind what what I mean, where it was just like a humorous day for you? Or did you see the connection as well? <laughs> I'm currently reading Lori Gottlieb's book about therapy and about humanity, which is called um, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And I love the book. I recommend it to any therapist, therapy patient or person. So um, go and check that out. But I, I read that I came across that quote in one of her chapters, and I just felt like it was it's so accurately depicted therapy because it is it really it really encapsulates what therapy is about. You know, it it, it is vulnerable. It, it is very exposing, which is which is like nudity in that way, where we feel like very raw and exposed, and like we're kind of shedding our our clothes in front of another person and and discussing things that are extremely personal and deep for us. And then, of course, there's the there's the stigma piece of it, which I spoke to earlier that we still are working on in terms of, of people not not wanting to say that they go to therapy and not really. And, and, you know, I'm in New York, so I'm in New York City where a lot of people go to therapy and it's more it's, it's less stigmatized and it's more open here. But I know a lot of places I'm from Staten Island. I live on Staten Island and and I noticed there such a drastic difference in terms of. Um, people's willingness to say that they go and what it means to them about themselves if they do go. Yeah. And that's something we're working on. But I thought that the quote, it really touched on two important pieces or multiple pieces of therapy and, and what, it, what it feels like. And it was kind of a crazy, funny metaphor. So <laughs> I like it. I think it's hilarious. But it's hilarious. It's, but it's, the kind of, it, it's one of those like it's funny because it's true. Yeah. There is that nudity, like the emotional nudity. And it's and it's scary, but it's also worth it. Because someone will be like, oh, but my fr- I could just talk to my friend about this stuff. And I'm like, okay, but they're your friend and they're like super invested in your life already. Um, so they might have like a, they might have a perspective that is still invested in what's happening. And so a therapist can kind of see that from a different perspective and then unlock everything that's fueling it as well. <laughs> and whatever is unlocked, I'm going to bet money that it will improve other parts of your life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think using the word emotional nudity is really good there because that really speaks to what it feels like to be on the couch. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of grew up in a, in just an environment where I had to start therapy really early. And um, so it's been a very much part of my life. And but there is times where I haven't talked about it and I haven't been open about it. And um, because it's like, what is this person going to think? Right. And I have no problem saying I'm going to the doctor. Like, oh, I have a checkup. Right. You know, um, oh, I'm going to the gym. I'm super proud of going to the gym. I'm not because I don't go. But if I was, I'd be super proud of going to the gym and taking care of my body. And to me, therapy is just like that. It's just a less, uh, I guess, less outside appearance thing and more of what's happening inside because we're constantly trying to fix the outside and yeah. we're not really ever addressing the inside. Um, well, we are not, that was a very like, well, not a large statement by Eris. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so you have, are you part of a practice in New York or you have your own practice? So I'm a part of a group practice currently called intuitive healing psychotherapy practice. And we are located in Midtown Manhattan and there are five other therapists who currently work with us and we all have um, unique approaches. We all have different specializations that we work with. And so we kind of cover a lot of different bases here under the same roof. That's awesome though. 
because then like if you guys all have different specialties and all different like uh, modalities that you're kind of using uh then it's like you guys are like therapy superheroes in one building <laughs> yes we are the avengers of therapy i was gonna say like transformers because when you put the get together it becomes this big like wellness monster <laughs> oh that's good. yeah i like that there you go we'll make the movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you i mean like what do you do for yourself because you're dealing with a lot of hard emotions probably i mean while other people are getting emotionally naked in front of you that's got to seep into your energy in some way uh what do you do to take care of you so i go to see my own therapist but i also i really i really stress the importance of self-care activities and i and i stress this with clients and so i stress it in my own life as well um whether that be i love to read so i spend time reading for myself um i spend time traveling time connecting to nature, time with loved ones. And that's really how I engage in my own personal self-care. Um, also the basics of self-care, which I always promote to my clients and I, I try to engage in them myself are sleep, exercise, and just connecting to your thoughts in a more mindful way. And nobody on the podcast can see this, but when he said exercise, his eyes got big and looked directly at the camera, which I see. So he was like, and because I said, I don't go to the gym. Like, I wish everyone could see his eyes because it got, it was like very direct to me. It was like sleep, exercise, and then went on. So I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> In that way, because I myself have a strained relationship with exercise <laughs> and the gym. So I probably identify with you there. <laughs> it's very strained. I, I leave strained. <laughs> it feels good when, when you leave, but during, it's like, ugh. Do I have to yeah, it's it's kind of rude like that because <laughs> it's like afterwards you're like, oh yeah, I feel good, I'm full of energy. But in like the middle, you feel like I lots of bad words. Um, if you're doing it right, I guess, or if you're not doing it right. But yet I still make all the gym references. It's very weird. Uh no, self-care, I mean, I think I, I make fun sometimes of the way that we look at self-care because we'll look at it like 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 people will be like, self-care, bubble baths, and do your nails. And I'm like that's like self-pampering to me, which is different than self-care. But I look at self-care as like going to the gym and eating <laughs> and going to my therapy and facing difficult emotions and, you know, getting some rid of some mistaken beliefs and some fixing up some core beliefs. And <laughs> that's what self-care is to me. Um, so, but I mean, it has to do with our health, I guess, ultimately. Yes. And I like that you said that's what self-care looks like for me, because I think that that's the most important piece of self-care is that it is tailored to you and your goals and what what really feels right to you. It may look like bubble bath and getting your nails done or getting a massage, or it might look like therapy, or it might look like going to the gym, or it might look like all of those at different times. It's important to kind of honor where you're at and what works for you and not limiting self-care. Like when I see that self-care is Kind of propagated as just bubble baths or getting your nails done that's what doesn't feel right because it's not just those things but it certainly can be things. no that that actually is a really good point because i sometimes get in the habit of being like this is how it is and that's it you're not doing self-care because you're taking a bubble bath no it they can be parts of it for sure it is like how it's marketed that bothers me I guess, or how it's just like you know all over the place and it looks like that's how it's viewed self-care has the word self in it so embrace the self and then embrace thyself exactly well put <laughs> i won't mention like the embracing thyself in a bath because that would 
kind of take it to a whole different place. <laughs> Robert, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, can you tell like listeners where they can find you on the interweb? Yes, uh, they can find me on social media on Instagram as Robert Sullivan Therapy. And there's a link there to my website, which is robertsullivanpsychotherapy.com. Um, you can also go to the group practice website, which um, encompasses all of the other individuals that I work with that I spoke about earlier, which is intuitivehealingnyc.com. Any of those outlets and and both of those links are on the Instagram page. So if they go there, they can easily find the website. Awesome. And literally when you said NYC, I start like NYC from Annie started playing in my head. <laughs> Thank you again so much for being here. I'm so glad that we got to talk and uh, touch base and get your views and yourself out there as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was I was really looking forward to it and I, I loved being a part of, of your podcast. So thank you. And thank you to all the Sheck Checkers out there listening this week. Your Sheck Check this week, something to think about, talk about, journal about, sing about, dance about, I don't know, whatever way that you like to process things. What are things that you are currently identifying with shame? And I will leave you with that. As usual, keep taking care of yourself because as long as you are taking care of yourself, you are also taking care of all those people around you. Until next week, Sheck Check out. Thank you so much for listening to the Sheck Check podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you listen to for your favorite podcast. All linked up on our website, www.thescheckcheck.com. If you are picking up what we are laying down and want to help spread the word and live by example, leave a review and share with friends. Until next time, check yourself before you wreck yourself.